Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey, heroes. This is the last episode in October, which means we are coming up on November conventions. I'll definitely be at Metatopia in Morristown, New Jersey, November 1st through the 4th. And the following weekend, November 8th through the 11th, I'll be at Akatacon in Dayton, Ohio. I'll be running a few games at Akatacon, and at Metatopia, I'll have a game in the very early pitch brainstormy session stage. So hopefully I'll see you for some of those or just around the cons. Feel free to say hi. This week, I chatted with my buddy Jeff Stormer from Party of One, who joined me once before to talk about two-player RPGs. This time, we're chatting about his game, Mission Accomplished, which, in addition to being about super spies and office meetings, is kind of a stealth horror game wherein you confront your deepest, darkest feelings about your day job. It's a unique system, but it plays in the storytelling game space of index cards and piles of D6s in a way that feels both therapeutic and thoroughly comedic. It also deals with levels of hidden information, which we get into in relation to designing the game as well as promoting it. It's a good episode, so let's get to it. Hey there, heroes. Joining me this week is Jeff Stormer, and we are going to talk about his game Mission Accomplished. Hey, Jeff. Mission Accomplished. There is a salute in the title that I haven't figured out how to put in the text yet. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, an emoji? Can you use a... I could probably do an emoji. I it. I guess it really depends on, like, the, the, the front cover design. Yeah. Sort of the thought that I've had is that, like, I think if I <laughs> italicize... There's also an exclamation point and a colon. Sure. It's very specifically written out. And I think if I format that exclamation point just right as sort of like a seven mm-hmm. exclamation point, like where that sort of curve, I think it could Ooh. convey a little bit of that. I like that. Yeah. That could be very good. <laughs> so I've had thoughts on this. Yeah, uh, clearly. Uh, that's good. You sh- Someone someone should be thinking about the typeface uh, for the cover of this book. Hi. Hello. You've hello. been here before. I have. And I'm, I'm happy to be back. Yay! I'm I'm glad to have you back. Uh, just in case, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit, some projects you've worked on, or places people might know you from? Of course. Uh, I am Jeff Stormer. I am the, uh, you probably know me as the host of the Party of One podcast, an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Uh, you may also know me from All My Fantasy Children, a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by listener prompts. Uh, you may also know me as the unofficial LARP designer of the Olive Garden Restaurant. <laughs> I mean, hopefully official by the time this episode drops, because hopefully they finally respond to my tweets. But for now, unofficial. I mean, I hope so. They sh- they've had they've taken long enough. They cause... have taken long enough. Yeah. Justice needs to be dealt to me and my family. <laughs> Excellent. I'm I'm glad that you're back, and I'm glad that we're finally talking about mission accomplished, which I will learn how to say correctly uh, eventually. Maybe you just gotta throw that salute right, right there yep. as you start, and then just end it kind of right as the as the as you say, like mission accomplished. It kind of times just right. It's, gotcha. I think it's a more of an inflection thing. Like you gotta feel mm-hmm. the really real, feel the real pride at having accomplished the mission. Excellent, Jeff. This sounds like a spy game. It is a spy game. It is the role playing game of super spies and office meetings. Uh, the premise oh. is that four to eight players take on the role of a team of super spies. You have just saved the world. You have killed the bad guys. You did it. You win. However, now you have to sit down with your friendly HR manager and go over uh, who gets the credit and the blame for what went wrong because mm-hmm. things went wrong. And so you will use your, your most important skills, those being uh, bickering and pencil pushing, anonymous accusations, uh, sucking up to your bosses, you know, the real the real skills of the corporate spycraft game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is the side of James Bond that we don't get to see. Yes, this is this is entirely what happens after James Bond like flies back to MI6 and yeah. has to sit in a room for just a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the stuff that's just too good to make a movie about, right? It would just yeah. be too compelling and 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 just too entertaining. Okay, cool. Except for I suppose Hot Fuzz. I think Hot Fuzz yeah. actually does include the sequence where they have to sit down and fill out paperwork. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So you've been working on this for a while, right? Yes, about a year and a half to two years at this point. I think yeah. it's been, it's been, I think, I think the first like one page kind of like fired off. I'm going to write this game and forget about it. it came out in, I think, May of 2017. So about a year mm-hmm. and a half. Was, was this still the premise back in way back? Uh, it was, it has always been the premise, but I also wasn't necessarily aware of how much it was a game of office satire. 
Yeah. Because when I first wrote it, I wrote it as there's been a debriefing session. And you're in this mm-hmm. you're in this debriefing session. Mission control has to figure out the things that went wrong, and you're all kind of trying to piece together what happened on the mission. You're all, you know, playing with different pieces of information. And then uh actually it was the first Metatopia playtest. Somebody mm-hmm. had offhandedly said, This was the most fun I ever had at an office meeting. And I sat there <laughs> in silence for about ten seconds and went, Oh no, I wrote a game about my job. Oh no, what happened? <laughs> oh, this is bad. And then it changed the entire scope of the game. Oh, that's amazing. But the premise has always been sort of like the mission happened. Mm-hmm. This is the meeting that comes after that. I just didn't fully grasp what that meant until somebody spelled it out to me and I went, oh no. That's great. I feel like that happens when you make art though, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Have you ever enjoyed an office meeting? Oh, I hate them so much. I don't enjoy <laughs> office meetings. And yeah. it's weird because like I like talking to people. It, I, I, do a, I do podcasts because I enjoy interacting with people and making friends. Mm-hmm. Something about that real corporate office meeting like just something about that sort of like forced faux professionalism and and, like family just something about that like fake family atmosphere just kills me yeah and and so you have harnessed that for this this excellent excellent game i have why don't we start with like how how did the game look initially like in the way back? Yeah, what, what kind of what kind of game was it? Uh, it's always been so originally it was very consciously written as a two plus player game that is designed to be paranoia esque. So that sort of sense of each player has information that I don't, and I have to kind of glean uh-huh. that information. I actually okay. very specifically wrote it because I wanted to. I have a friend. Uh, Ian, a friend of mine, he's been on the show before, uh, is a humongous fan of Paranoia. And we played Paranoia once in the show. It didn't quite work. But like, right. I was always like, I want to play Paranoia for Party of One. I want to do it on a live show. Like That was always my dream. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I wrote the game very consciously as this is going to be the game that I'm going to use to get a Paranoia experience on a Party of One live show. Okay. So like all of the mechanics kind of came from that. All right. Except for the part where it's more than two players and Party of One is explicitly two players. Two players. Jeff, why did you do that? Uh, Because as I was writing, like once I kind of... So originally the, the, the nature of the information that is being secretly passed around shifted and it shifted for the better. Like originally as it was written... It was just, you name one thing that happened on the mission. It could have happened to an agent. It could have just been out in the world. Everyone mm-hmm. writes down three pieces of information, just three things that happened. And then oh, we okay. collectively try to piece together, try to piece those things together. Mm-hmm. That, we tested it. It was fun. People were like, I would have liked a little more direction and a little more interacting with my fellow players. Mm. Yeah. So then we changed it to okay, well, now you're going to write about something that another agent did on the mission. And then immediately, that's the <laughs> moment that it stopped being two-player compatible because it started, turned into, okay, now I have to have X number of agents that are interacting with each other. And that's the immediate mm-hmm. moment that the, the game that I wanted to make died. <laughs> I want to emphasize that. Rip. Yep, so sad, so sad. From its ashes is, is this version of the game where you've got multiple players, they are all at each other's throats, mm-hmm. and something I wanted to to talk about that jumped out at me early, early in the the documents you've got is that there there's a winner and a loser in this game. Yes, it is a semi, I always describe it as semi-competitive because yeah. you kind of know, like it's kind of made very clear that winning and losing are relative titles and that like, <laughs> even if you win, the prizes that you win aren't going to be that great. Mm-hmm. But like there is very consciously a, a winner and a loser because originally in the original, in the two player version of the game, this was the other way in which the game, uh, fell like fell to a point where it was no longer two player. Originally it was based on a D six table and like the result that you got was based on zero to six, which is why the game runs with pools of six sided dice. Okay. Uh, originally it was like zero to six. Zero is you get dragged out into a back alley and either shot or you wake up in Siberia or something like that. And then Excellent. five is you get a promotion. Six is redacted. Six is a blank, is a secret thing that players only find out if somebody gets a six. Good. 
And I, there's this big joke. I'll, I can talk about the joke option here because because it's fine. It, people have probably maybe heard it on other pod. Six was originally you're you've been deemed so valuable that you that you're no longer being deployed on low risk missions, and you're dragged off to a training facility, broken down and rebuilt as basically a member of the Suicide Squad. Oh, good. Okay, so definitely winner with an asterisk. Yes, the, the <laughs> secret real winner is the second place person who gets the promotion yeah. that you're all after. Amazing. And so originally, like that was the idea. Immediately mm-hmm. after that first playtest, I think two people ended up with a six, and I was like, it's not quite. It doesn't quite work if multiple people get that result. So that was kind yeah. of the moment that I was like, okay, then it has to be like only like who, however many players you play with, only one person can get this secret, like super funny result. Yeah. So then it became, well, there has to be a ranking system, but then I don't really need the table. It just, I can just base it on like who gets the highest result. Okay. That mm-hmm. works. And then I faced the very real question. If I have a secret, really funny result for six, why am I not just using that in every game? This is probably a one-shot. This is probably a one-shot game that you play once. Yeah. Why am I not just making it so that you get the really funny punchline every time you play the game? You know, yeah. a good comic skit will build to that punchline. It's not, well, somebody only rolled a five, so nobody gets the funny punchline. Sorry, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Gotta play six more times and hope you get it. Statistically, you should eventually get the... F- no, it, it, I realized, like, okay, well, then I'm just gonna have to include this. And mm-hmm. once I realized that is when I realized, well, that means that technically there has to be at least two people addition, if uh, in addition to mission control. Sure, yeah, because there is a there is a GM in this game. Yes, there is a GM role. Uh, yeah. uh, mission control is like organizing all of the secret handed out information and like assigning cool. arbitrary value statements to things. <laughs> and and so like there has to be that there had to be a person to win that secret funny result, but then yeah. there also had to be a person to win the less funny result to make that secret funny result that much funnier. But yep. then there also had to be a person that just did not win any result and just lost. Mm-hmm. There had to be a loser. And so it became, okay, well, then I need a minimum of three of three people. Like, to make, yeah. to make that punchline work, you need somebody to get a really bad option, mm-hmm. somebody to get the good option, and somebody to, to immediately think, wasn't I supposed to get the good option? <laughs> and then they find out that they get the worst option. Yep. I love this. And, and so you, you mentioned playtesting yes. and uh, coming to this decision during playtesting. And you've played a lot of games with, with a lot of people. Um, in your experience, how has putting that information out there at the, the outset of a game, there is a winner, there is a loser. How does that affect the way people play? So I think in general, the way it like affects people's play style is people immediately kind of get what's going on in a way that kind of starts to enhance the humor from moment one. Because coupled with the premise that you're in an office meeting, mm-hmm. you know, you're ha- you're talking to management, and then I hit them with, and there's a winner and a loser. Somebody is going to get a promotion at the end of this, and somebody is going to be burned and dropped off in Florida with no, re- with no, like, all of your assets frozen. Mm-hmm. People immediately go, oh, now I kind of start, and they immediately start to, like get that sense of like, oh, I'm I'm trying to like hustle to get a promotion. Oh, this yeah. is a game about day jobs. And like they kind yeah. of, it, I find that like telling them there's a winner and a loser kind of hooks them in to the true genre of the game in a way that's really mm. satisfying. Yeah. And until you actually started answering that question, it didn't click for me that that's definitely, um, I worked in customer service and it's definitely performance scores. Mm-hmm. Like 100%. It's okay. So maybe nobody technically lost, but there's definitely, you know, the bottom percentage of your, of your call class is this. Oh God. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're understanding that this is secretly a horror game. <laughs> oh my, it is, Jeff. It is. I'm, I'm stressing. Um, that's, that's been a lot beautiful. of the feedback I've gotten in playtests is people are like, wow, I was really stressed playing this game because I felt like yeah. I was at work. And, and then, yeah. and then they'll immediately be like, but I loved it. And I'm like, yeah, because that's the feeling that I'm going for is the is for all of us to sort of in a safe, consensual environment be like, mm. boy, this feeling stinks. Yes. Okay, cool. That's that's actually one of the things I want to know is like the experience that you want your players to have. And it's 
That's sadistic. Uh, it is. But I think it's also like the way that I like I write this game as empathetic as somebody that has worked yeah. as a corporate drone for a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this has been a game that I specifically wanted to write. And like the players that I've played at tables with, even the ones that describe it as like I felt like enjoyably stressed are immediately like. Yeah. Oh, it was so much fun to just laugh about like the worst things that happen at my job. And so yeah. like I think the tone the vibe that I want, that like the the feeling that I want to cultivate in players is the feeling of going to an after work happy hour, getting that first drink, or like alcoholic mm-hmm. or otherwise, even if it's a soda mm-hmm. or water, sitting there with your coworkers and just going, Wow. So we can we yeah. talk about what happened today? <laughs> I can absolutely see that. And we talked a little bit when we were setting up about this game being cathartic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just the absurdity of the content kind of lets them, lets players uh, bl- blow off steam in that way too. You know, yeah. it just spies, spy missions and the sort of nonsense that folks can get up to with explosions and murders. And I bet that's, I bet that's real good sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it kind of makes it easier to like enjoy the other stuff because it's like yeah. turned up to 11 and it's easier yeah. to laugh about. Yeah. My manager is real passive aggressive and gives me real unclear guidelines, <laughs> but it turns out they're talking about plastic explosives. So it's funny. And like it, yeah. it kind of, it, it pushes it to absurdity and makes it easier to just take in that feeling of like, wow, my job is a lot. This is excellent. So why don't we talk a little bit about how this all, how this cathartic experience works yeah, mechanically yeah, yeah. then. Um, so this is, would you call this a story game? I would call it a story game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, cause the major, mass majority of the game, you're not necessarily rolling dice. You're not mm-hmm. necessarily like engaging with mechanics. You're largely just like being given prompts and told yeah. to just like tell the next beat of the story. Sure. And and your supply list includes a brick of index cards, which is always a clue to me that there may be a also story fair. game here. Yeah. That's also that's I, I feel very called out with that comment, but yes, you are uh-huh. correct. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, you wrote it. I did. Uh yeah, so let's 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 talk about that. So we've got we talked about that there is a game master, there mm-hmm. is a GM role, yep. and that's mission control. Mission control, who is very unhappy with how the mission went down. Yeah. But they were not on the mission, so they're trying to make sure that upper management sees it as the actions of agents on the field because if it's not their fault it's mission control's fault and it can't be mission control's fault yeah no it it absolutely cannot so let's let's actually talk about the agents first because i I love mission control so much i want to i want to come back to them okay so every other player is an is an agent yes and what what kind of people are are they so uh so the way that agents work is they are supposed to be whoever was deployed on the field in that sense let's talk about character creation because i think that gives us the best picture of who the agents are Uh, (laughs) character creation is very short and simple basically you are given the 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 playtest documents that i sent you i've slightly tweaked it but um so what it is is it's a name which i always which i just say your best most ridiculous spy name if it's an acronym Mm -hmm. if it's an if it's an alias if it's a pun, whatever your spy name of choice is. Okay. Uh, what your specialty is, so the, the reason that you're employed by the company, it could be something like, you know, something very grounded and spy-like, like a hacker or a small arms expert. It could be taking a cue from the game's probably biggest, like, media influence in Archer. It could be that you're the accountant or, like, you're the intern on a ride-along. Or that you're <laughs> one of my best playtest ones, my dear friend Devin, if you just... We came to him and he just threw out without missing a beat. I'm the team's morale officer. I'm in charge of like keeping up engagement and, and team spirit. And we're all just like, okay, I love this. This is, that's perfect. Like it is a perfect, and it's that kind of like, it can be as ridiculous or grounded as you want it to be. Hey, that's, that's some Star Trek shit right there. It I'm here real for good. it. It was real good. <laughs> and then the last, and maybe there, there's two other aspects that you, all of these things you kind of, when I come to you, you basically lay this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's your name, your specialty, the thing that the way that you contributed to the the mission's primary objective, mm. because it's always a concrete fact in mission accomplished that you are coming back having successfully accomplished whatever objective you went out to uh, like to, to to take care of or to accomplish, basically. Cool. The example, the one of the example mission dossiers is. Uh, villains, which is the vast international league of larcenists, arsonists, and inventors of nefarious science. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
uh, villains has installed a moon laser. They've put a, they, they, they took over mm-hmm. a space station and installed a moon laser. They are going to use it to hold the world hostage. Your objective is to blow up that moon laser. And when we start play, everybody knows, okay, whatever else we add to this, that moon laser blew up. We, we did it and we are being like rewarded for this. Mm-hmm. And so it's how you contributed to that. And that's our way of making sure that in gameplay that, that is addressed. Cause we had a few play, several play tests where we got to the end of the game and I sat there and looked at my notes and said, Oh, we didn't actually talk about the mission that you guys did. That's a problem. Oh, <laughs> so this is a way to basically have it be like, okay, the players have accomplished it. And here are concrete ways in which we help do that. Cool. Okay. And last and maybe most importantly, it's just a fun fact, something to help us to get to know you. And I, I describe yeah. it specifically as like you would give in the most uncomfortable office meeting, like get to know each other icebreaker segment. Shit. I know, right? Uh, so Dan started a new job. Yeah. And they gave fun facts. Okay. Uh, as, as you meet people in the office, you give fun facts. And one of his like seatmates gave the fun fact that, oh, I play piano. And some guy at the that they work with was like, that's not a fun fact. <laughs> So wow, that, wow, I, the, guts. the guts! I love it to just be like, that's not a fun so fact. I also have a fun fact story. Yeah, uh, and fun here is in so many quotation marks. We mm-hmm. were we were meeting a new manager, and uh, she was going around the room and having everybody give fun facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it came to me, and I'm like, I have a lot of fun, interesting things I could bring up, but all of them are going to require me giving 20 minutes of explanation. So I'm just like, I really like games. Games are good. Big gamer. And that was it. Like, that was my fun fact. Sure. The person next to me, good, good friend of mine, love the guy, also a podcaster, Mm -hmm. happens and and was like, yeah, I make podcasts. And my boss goes, oh, I love podcasts. And in a move that that could have ended our friendship, he goes, well, yeah, Jeff also makes podcasts. And I'm like, okay, great. Oh, no. Thank you. So I'm sitting there, and my boss is like, oh, Jeff, what's your podcast about? And I'm like, no, I play Dungeons and Dragons, but you know how you play Dungeons and Dragons with only with like four people? I I play it with one person. So like also, but like Dungeons and Dragons is a game where, okay, like remember in and like I have I had to do and this is my nightmare. Oh, my God. Really, that was the moment that Mission Accomplished fully came into view of like, oh, this is the feeling that I want to capture of like just thinking the words. This is my nightmare. Okay, that part I'm keeping in. I I just mm, I cannot wait for the fun fact part to to be the thing that devolves into like, oh really? Tell me more about that. Like, I want to be mission control. <laughs> I want to inflict this pain on other people and be like, oh, tell me more about this thing. Or that's not a fun fact. <laughs> that's you know, not a fun so, fact. I'm excited for that. I love uh, it. It's, it's it's so good. Originally, our our last few playtests, we had two fun facts. One work-related and one out-of-work-related. But, like, I mm. swapped out the second fun fact for how you've contributed to the mission. Because, like, nice. the work fun fact was getting kind of muddied. And I think just having one mm-hmm. fun fact forces you to just pick whatever, like, comes to your mind first. Yeah. Like, like are you more work-minded mm-hmm. or are you, like, into your hobby of juggling that you got to tell everybody about it, you know? Fun, fun uh-huh. fact, actually. A friend of mine uh, lists that he can juggle on every resume he sends out. Because he says that no one ever checks, and they're always impressed. I love it. Oh. He just adds it like, by the way, I can also juggle. And then they're just like, oh, wow, that's really, that's so neat. And then they never ask him, but they never ask him to juggle. He just is like, yeah, I can juggle. I love it. Jeff, I just want to be in a position of power to make people <laughs> prove things to me now. Oh, like, you can juggle. I happen to have these balls. I have right? these bowling pins. I just keep them on my desk for exactly this instance. Juggle them. (laughs) Oh, by the way, yeah. You start throwing bowling pins. Oh, man. Nobody put me in charge of anything. (laughs) I won't get any work done. Uh, Okay. So character creation. That's pretty quick and dirty. And then the only other thing that you do is actually before you make characters, because the game is kind of played out of order a little bit. Character creation is generally the first thing that you do. But here, the thing we do before we do is each player names one thing that went wrong on the mission that mission control has to try and like get to the bottom of. Oh my God. Okay. So what happens is mission control has a mission dossier. There are going to be, I think Mm -hmm. five of them starting in the book. It depends on how many I write. 
Which is kind of weird that I can just, like, decide things like that, but... Yeah, you have this power. And so, Mission Control has, like, one of, like, five missions. There's probably going to be guidelines on how to make your own. And they sort of pick one, they hand it to the players. It's like a three-page document with a half a dozen names, places, props, office protocol. Like, make sure your out-of-office email is set up correctly. And you basically hand this to the players and you say, hey, look through this. It's two pages. You can look through it in two minutes. Name one thing on the mission that that does not invalidate that primary objective, but mm-hmm. that went horribly awry. And you don't know who is full, who is responsible. And mission control is basically going to have to t- tell you as a group, all right, who did this? Who is responsible oh, for this? Good, good, good. And so that is sort of the other thing that you, that is sort of the other part or the one of three parts of like prep for the game. Okay. So yeah, so you're coming, you've got your mission. You have what went wrong and then you have your characters. And then, and then your characters, once you've figured out how badly this has gone, then you decide who you are. And then, and then you do my favorite part of the game, which is rat out your coworkers. I was going to say paperwork, but yeah, that it's that. It's also it's also paperwork. Con- good news. <laughs> uh, so what happens is everybody takes two index cards. Mm-hmm. You have the agent to your left and the agent to your right. This is why it is a minimum. Since it is a minimum of yeah. three players, it works with that nice little triad. Perfect. Um, you have the player to your left, the player to your right. You will write down one good thing that either the player to your left or player to your right did. It doesn't matter who, and it adds to an element of, I don't know who has written this card about me. So it's a Mm. good thing that one of the two players to your left or right did to help the mission along. Something positive, something good. Okay. Then you write something bad that the other person did. So if I say the person to my left uh, made sure that all of our passports were in order before we went to outer space... The person on my right, I have to basically be like, yeah, they fired the moon laser. Uh, that oh, accidentally no. happened and it was all them. Oh, no. So it's entirely possible for one player to have like two bad things yeah. attributed to them. Or, or yeah, okay. This will not necessarily work out evenly. No, it does not necessarily work out evenly. Beautiful. Okay. And so then once you have all of this information, everybody hands all of their index cards, including what went wrong on the mission, all of those index cards. So three index cards per player go to mission control. Okay. Uh, Who then arranges them in like a roughly chronological order, reads them over, and then Mm. leads this and then leads this meeting point by point, taking a card saying, okay, person X. Okay, Meg, it says here, you fired the moon laser? (laughs) That seems like a problem. Can you explain yourself? And it is your job on your turn to explain yourself in a way Mm -hmm. that reflects the seven habits of highly effective Black Ops agents. Oh my god. Okay, I love this. I love this so much. Vital, vital skills for spies, (laughs) like, you know, inventory management, and efficiency, and fiscal responsibility. And respect for authority. Oh, God. Okay, Jeff, I saw the title of this document, and I just kind of screamed quietly. You um, should. You should. It's it's perfect and beautiful, and I will admit I haven't actually read Seven Effective Habits, whatever, whatever it is that I... <laughs> Uh, is are these a goof on them or is it just the title? No, it is entirely that. Well, they are. It is. Uh, there are seven. There are seven habits. There are seven. Right. Yeah. And of, they what, are the effective people or something. Yeah, the seven habits of highly yeah. effective people. This is sort of a play on that. I don't actually know what those habits are, and I okay, did cool, exactly <laughs> no research. So trust me, uh, there is no there. There is a chance that I have accidentally written all of them exactly correct. I will never know. Oh, no, I believe it. I will never know. It's a one for one. I'm sh- I'm certain. Uh, perfect. Just the amount of research I was hoping you did. Exactly okay. the right amount. And so you have to basically like hearing what you did. So hearing that you mm-hmm. fired the moon laser, you have to go, well, you see the reason that I fired that moon laser was because I was trying to do X, Y, and Z. And the other players are encouraged to like slide in. I'm thinking of maybe adding a mechanic where I give them like interjection cards, mm. something like that, where like, but, but it, as is, so far, the game has worked really well where agents are just sort of encouraged to periodically slide in and go, yeah, you say that you did it because uh, villains operatives were moving in on Hero Department HQ, but um, mm-hmm. I happen to know that you kind of just sat on the display. You just kind of <laughs> leaned on it and hit a button. Can you? It, that's what it looked like to me, at least. And uh-huh. to just make your life more difficult as you try to justify your actions. Oh, good. Okay. 
which is the way that you go for the throat, is you basically try your best to make them look as bad as possible with your questions, while also oh. making sure that you're not being overly aggressive, because mm-hmm. one of the values is team spirit, and we're all supposed to be family here. Oh, sure. But also yeah. the next goal on the list, the next value on the list is personal development. Make sure you're looking out for yourself. <laughs> oh, and so then mission control is encouraged to like guide these as arbitrarily and as aggressively as they want. Handing out commendation yeah. dice, which are good, and citation dice, which are bad. Like, just as they as they will, uh, willy-nilly. But, like, there's very specific guidelines in the mission control section about, like, yes. here's how the best way to make this arbitrary and painful and, like, annoying in a way that is also fun and supportive and encouraging to play. Yeah. So that's that's a thing that I love about the way you've set this up is that there are there's a a version of the of this walkthrough for the agents and there's a version of it for mission control. Yeah, I, I think very that's going to stay. I think that's yeah. going to stay in the final rule book. I think it's going okay. to be that. I think there's going to be because I've been looking at how to condense what I have now in the playtest files that you're looking at is like multiple documents and I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out how best to condense them into one. And I think I'm just going to like keep it as is and just be upfront about like, look, a lot of information is going to basically verbatim repeat. Yeah. But that's going to diverge in very key and specific ways. And that, that repetition is going to help. So basically if you're mission control, you only read the mission control section. Right. And so that information is going to repeat, but then when it doesn't is when the, is when the game really crucially like explains things. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the joke too, which I love. It's, I like it a lot. When, uh, at what point did you do that? Did you make it two separate? Uh, that actually was fairly recent. I I showed it to I showed it to some people. I showed it to John Adamus, who is a genius and is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Who like read over? It was originally one document, and I just had sections where I was like, "Agents, don't read this." Yeah. And John looked at this and was like, why don't you just have a mission control section that the agents don't look at? Yeah. And then you put all of the secret jokes in there yeah. so that there's no way that the agents will look at it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that actually makes way more sense. Yeah. Why don't I do that? And and if you're like me and you're reading one right after the other, you're like, oh, this looks the same. This is the same way. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very satisfying. So yeah, thumbs up. It, it, it's I think it, I think it works really well, and I think it'll work really well in the final book too. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, this is also an explicitly comedic game, yeah. and I think that sense of un, that sense of deja vu like <laughs> generates comedy while reading it. Yeah, yeah, I think you've convinced me to leave it exactly the same, Meg. I think yes. that I'm having kind of a eureka moment here. Yeah, well, there you go. The sense of deja vu is like, we've been here before. We've done this meeting a thousand times. And then something changes and you're like, oh, oh, oh. Oh my God. There's layers to this, Jeff. It's amazing. So there are layers. I'm, I'm, I'm losing it here. Yeah. This is awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, cool. So then, so they, yeah, so this, the mission control goes through and assigns these dice. And we kind of talked about the end game, how this all shakes out. Yes. Um, uh, players roll dice. So the citation dice cancel out the, Mm. They they cancel out the commendation dice. If you roll a six on a on one citation dice, it takes away all of the sixes you roll on your commendation dice. So yeah. they are it is hilariously balanced in favor of the bad dice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And so the idea is you roll your dice. Whoever has the highest number from one to six, after you've canceled out your dice and you've looked at everything, you base it on like whoever has the high number wins. You you rank it out from there, so each person fills one spot on the chain. If there is a tie, here's a specific thing. Here's here's actually my actual favorite mechanic in the game. Mm-hmm. If there is a tie, so if two people have a six, yep, the winner is whomever has more sixes. Sure. If I had rolled three sixes and you rolled two, I win, mm-hmm. and you get second place. If we both have two sixes. Then it is whomever's commendation dice total is higher after dice have been taken away. So if all of my twos and threes have been taken away and I'm left with only those those three sixes and you have you have three sixes but also a five, mm-hmm. you have four commendation dice and you win. Okay. If we each have four dice with two sixes, <laughs> what happens then is we are both convicted of collusion. <laughs> Declared villains double agents and dragged off and convicted of treason. I love it. How often has that happened? Uh, I think twice. Like, it's happened, like, twice now. Oh, good. And, like, originally there was a lot more steps to it. And 
loathe as I am to give him, I know that I'm stepping into into dangerous territory here, mm-hmm. saying a nice thing about him on modifier. Uh oh. Uh, Brandon Leon Gimbetta. Oh no. Oh, it's 2018. We're friends now. Oh, okay, great. Brandon yeah. Leon Gimbetta, great yeah. guy. Love him to death. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, Brandon, in our playtest, read that like I I talked this over with him and I told him how much I loved this joke and he goes, cut it down to like two or three tops because because mm-hmm. th- he was like the thing is. It's the same, and it's the same as you know the the Alpha Omega Seven clearance. You're too high. You're too important. Is you want that joke to hit? Yeah. You, but this is a situation where you don't want it to hit every time. Mm-hmm. But you want it to hit enough of that. You want there to be a strong enough chance. Yeah. That it will. That that will happen. And so, like, it's down to three. It might even be if it might even be at the end of the game or when the game publishes. It's just if you have if you both have two sixes, then you're guilty. But I kind of like having three things, and then mm-hmm. if that fourth thing being, yeah, you're both you're both double agents. Sorry. Yeah, yeah that that feels like the perfect amount of ties of of uh, coincidences. That, yeah. that many cannot be a coincidence. Yeah, four, that's perfect. Three things, like four mm-hmm. things all together. Mm-hmm. That's too many. Yeah. How often uh, have you seen everybody have like all their combination dice wiped out? Does that ha- uh, that has never happened? Oh, and I'm okay. fr- like, and I have a specific. There's a specific rule for that, which is if you have no dice left, your total is zero. Yeah, and there, there, the rule is also zero is the only number that can't be convicted of collusion because <laughs> at that point you're all just sent off to Siberia. Anybody with a zero is just shipped off to Siberia, and you're never heard from again. Good. So we're not terribly concerned if you were a double agent at that point. Perfect. Oh, it's just everybody at zero gets burned. Awesome. Yeah, I was starting to get worried with how many dice get wiped out, but that's good to know. Yeah, I've never seen all of the dice wiped out. Cool. But I have seen it where somebody had like two citation dice and they rolled like a five and a six. Oh. And they're like, but I had two sixes and three five. Oh my God, my time, my, my high, I have one two. Oh. My number is one two. Well, that's the way it goes. Accrue, accrue fewer citations. Yeah. Be better at your job. Yeah, get better customer feedback. What do you want? Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. That's me. My hands are tied. Yeah. This is the algorithm. I can't really control that. Uh. <laughs> I know. Every time I every time I think of one of these jokes, I I have to like walk around for a little bit cuz I'm like it's too yeah. it's too good. It's too good to describe this as an algorithm that just predicts everyone's winnings, and then you're just like, oh no, oh I hate this. Yeah, this is this is real bad. <laughs> it's real bad. It real bad. It feels bad, Jeff. Uh, okay, so we also want to talk since we talked about how the Mission Controls book has different information in it, mm-hmm. and there are these things that we've we've talked about pretty openly on the show so far, and it's going things that are going to be addressed as you do actual plays. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of intentional hidden information. Information yes. In this game, uh, yeah, I want I want to talk about like designing a game that involves that, and also promoting a game that involves that. That has been the hardest part of promotion was like accepting the fact that like if I play through Mission Accomplished, like if I go mm-hmm. on a podcast and play through it, which I've done, which I've done, which I'm doing more of, I have to reveal at least like the big joke, like the core one is what happens to the person that gets first place. Mm-hmm. And the and the 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 devil's bargain is like I can't really promote the game, especially not in an actual play setting, and, and without revealing that joke, yeah. because the game is very specifically written as a comedy skit. You know, mm-hmm. it's written as this sort of escalation, and it needs that punchline. If you don't get that punchline, the game like it loses a chunk of it. It's all building to that. It is the final yeah. culmination. So if I'm promoting this game, I have to be including that. But that means that you can read the game and then know, oh, I got first place. I think I know what's about to happen. Yeah. But like, so design, but in terms of design, like, that's the frustrating thing about promoting it. In terms of designing it, I very specifically wanted an experience of like, because the joy of the game, the two core tenets of the game are empathy, which we've already talked about. Like we've all, we're all enjoying the fact that we're sharing stories about our lousy day jobs. Yeah. But also surprise. There's also the element of so much of la- like laughter is largely based on empathy and surprise. Those are two mm-hmm. things that ge- that naturally generate laughter. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I wanted the game to include surprises that would make you laugh, which is what I me putting a card down and you going, "Wait, I did what?" 
Like, that's yeah. funny. That is an, a moment you'll laugh because you are caught off guard by what you've done. In the same way, the end game had to include that sense of, like, wait, what is happening to me? And to do that meant, like, meant that, like, I had to make sure that the players weren't going to know exactly what happens to them until they play the game. Yeah. And so, like, it's the challenge there was always mission control is going to know how these things play out, but they're not going to quite know how they get there. Agents are going to know how they get there, but they're going to be surprised by what the end result is. So uh-huh. everybody is having these sort of surprise moments. And that was why so much of the game is designed in secret is so that everyone is having these moments of surprise. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I, I've put a lot of thought into like how funny games work. <laughs> yeah. Well, it shows. It's a very, like, even just reading it, it's very funny just to read. I, I like, I'm imagining how things would play out, you know, with the the players that I know that I'm definitely going to play this with. I'm very excited. I can't, I, I need you to tell me about it. Like, like you know, on Discord oh, yeah. or DMs or whatever. Like, if yeah. you play it, I want to hear about it. Oh, I will let you know. I am absolutely going to play this with uh, with some of our friends and family. They really enjoyed Fiasco, and I think that this is going to make them lose their minds a little bit. So this this has a lot of Fiasco. This Fiasco is probably one of the strongest like influences in it. Mm-hmm. And so, like this, has, I think if they enjoyed Fiasco, they will they will really click with this. If they like, yeah. if you have friends that like Paranoia, this I think will click with them. Mm-hmm. If you have friends that enjoy like Archer or the Venture Brothers or oh yes, my favorite show that I wish had gone more than two seasons, which was Better Off Ted. Yes. Oh, I loved Better Off. What a oh. good show! Like, I realized I'd been oh. saying that this game is like Archer, the role playing game, for a really long time, but I realized that I kind of think it's actually just Better Off Ted. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And so, like, if you enjoy any of those things, I think this game has a lot to offer in terms of like what it does. Very cool. And one other thing that I want to yeah. talk about, because this game, and it very like explicitly lays this out when you're when you're starting to read through. Uh, but there is there is bickering, there is mm-hmm. going for the throat, there is throwing your friends under the bus. How do you do that safely? Like, what kind of mechanics are at play to kind of make sure everybody has a good time? So uh, I credit a friend of the show, Alex Roberts. We had a talk at Metatopia about this, and like, because this was something I was really struggling with. I was like, how do you make this in an environment that, like, I was, like, my biggest fear with this game has always been that, like, it will stop being fun and start being actively hurtful. That, like, if I am, like, correcting you and being like, actually, I think what you were doing was this, that's going to start being real shitty real quick. So, like, and I was talking, and I know Alex is a big fan of Paranoia. So at Metatopia, Mm -hmm. I asked her point blank, I was like, here's the game that I'm working on. How do I, and I asked her the same question, like, how do you do that safely? And the, her, her immediate response was illuminating and is in the rule book. I want to say almost verbatim, but I think I tweaked it a, like, I'd kill me because I don't recall it word for word. Yeah. Hers was just, well, you just tell them up front, hey, this is what's going to happen. You just oh. sit down and the first thing you say to them is, hey, this is the game we're going to play. Just so you know, you're yeah. going to be bickering. You're going to be going for the throat. You're going to be, sabotaging one another, questioning each other's motives with the knowledge that like, when I do it to you, you're going to do it to me later. Are we all cool with that? If not, we can pick a different game because this is what the game is going to be about. And I was like, oh yeah, you just tell them that that's what the game's going to do. That doesn't need to be a secret. There's no secret element to the players yeah. being bickering. You just tell them up front, hey, this is what's going to happen. We're cool with that. And then the other yeah. half of it is... You or the other two parts of it is you do lines and veils because the game is very silly. So even so, I, I've made lines and veils a very conscious thing in the game. Of okay, so this is what we're doing. What's off limits? Where yeah. can we not go? And then the last thing is you do a safety mechanic, either an X card or a script change. I think in the final rulebook, I'll probably like detail like three or four of them to yeah. just be like you pick something that says, "Hey, we're doing this," but if it ever stops feeling fun, you let us know. Cool. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is is you just you just ask. You just say like <laughs> this is how the game plays. This is the mood of the this is the mood of the game. Mm-hmm. Are we all all right? Like is that going to make anyone uncomfortable? Cool. I confide in you that like I'm going to screw you over and later on you're going to screw me right back over. Like yeah. we're all going to end up kind of in the same boat by the end of the game. But if if you're cool with that, we're cool with that. Yeah, being upfront and honest about the expectations of the game, I think is it's wild that that's revolutionary, but it kind of is. Right? I was 
Alex sent it to me in Minotopia. And I was just, I, I sat there for a second and went, oh, yeah, why didn't I? Yeah, you just, you just ask. Yeah, just like you would, hey, do you guys want to play a cyberpunk game? Or like, do you want to play a fantasy game? It's like, do you want to play this game where we might yell, yell at each other a little bit? Yeah. Like, it's, that, yeah, that's fair. It's like if we were to play D&D, I'd say to you, like, hey, we're playing D&D. And by asking you that, I'm asking you, hey, do you want to go into a dungeon and fight a monster? Like, those are just the mm-hmm. assumptions. By asking you to play this game, it, the, I, I'm spelling out the assumption that that's going to mean we're going to be bickering in an office setting for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. So this game is on Kickstarter, is going to be on Kickstarter? Uh, it will be on Kickstarter October 16th. So depending on when this episode drops, it will be on Kickstarter. Yes either now or in the immediate, immediate future. Perfect. So we are partnering with Third Act Publishing, uh, Jim McClure, uh, we've, who uh, your listeners may or may not know is my blood rival, who I will see, blo- who I will see bloodied and ruined at my feet. All right, good. Uh, we, will, we will plunge each other into a volcano by the end of, the, by, by the end of our journeys. Perfect. I cannot wait, to be honest. <laughs> like... Gonna be real, I'm so hyped for it's this. gonna be a real good volcano battle. It is. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be a lot. Of, I'm really. I've been really looking forward to the volcano battle. All right. Well, <laughs> let me know when it's gonna happen because I will be. I'll there. shoot you the evite. Thank you. But Jim has been tremendous. He has been a tremendous supporter of the project. He like he played in my playtest at Metatopia and basically immediately pulled me aside and was like, "Hey, let me help you make this game a reality." Oh. And yeah. so, like, he has been tremendous in terms of just showing me, like, hey, here's what to expect from Kickstarter. Here's the numbers that we can reasonably expect. Here is, like, mm. kind of what we need and what, like, I need you to provide, what we will be able to provide for you. It's mm-hmm. been, like, I really specifically wanted to work with a publisher for this because I don't know anything about running, like, a Kickstarter. And so I figured, let me partner with somebody that does. And then, like, if if when the next game comes along, I fi- I'm, like... I think I can do this on my own. I probably won't, but I, if I if I decide that, like next time, I've watched somebody who is really, really, really good at running Kickstarters work his magic, mm-hmm. and then and like I've picked up on like how he's doing it and why. Well, that's awesome. That's that's very cool to have that support and from somebody who like yeah, Jim has done this a couple times. We've talked about a couple of of the things he's kickstarted here on the show, and like they they put out quality content. Yeah. So like I, I, there was nobody that I would have rather. There was nobody I would have rather worked with than Jim because I like Jim has a proven track record of knowing how mm. to make a games Kickstarter work. Yeah. Cool. So that's going to be up when this is out. Well, there will be links. They will be in the show notes. They'll be on the Twitter. Right. Um, is there anything else that we should know about mission accomplished or the Kickstarter? And I tried to do a salute and I don't know if it came across. I, it actually did. I was, I was very pleased. Cool. Um, oh, good. As far, I guess the one big area of playtesting that I'm not sure about yet is I don't know which chain restaurants uh, it, it really is suited for. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if you figure this out, let me know. I kind of suspect TGI Fridays. I think oh, it yeah. captures that atmosphere, but I'm not sure yet. Yeah, um, or like a Chili's. Do those still exist? Uh, Chili's probably has that real good. Like, I don't really want to be here. Yeah, might, it might be. It might. I might be angling to make this the official the official role playing game of Chili's. We'll see. All right. Okay. But uh, I think that's the main thing. Yeah, go to the Kickstarter, back it, uh, Mission Accomplished, the role-playing game of Super Spies and Office Meetings. Like I said, if you enjoy Archer or the Venture Brothers, that sort of, like, big bureaucratic take on, like, four-color superheroes and things, I think you'll love this game and uh, help make it a reality. I'm really, I'm really super proud of it. Yeah, it's very cool. I am excited to see this get out there. I had a lot of fun reading it. I'm really happy. That makes me super, super happy. Writing the rulebook was so much fun. I've been having so much fun writing the dossiers for this. Just taking, like, this is a generic spy thing and being mm-hmm. like, okay, how do I make the, like, fleshing it out and being like, here are six people that are here present for the spy adventure and then laying out six, like, painfully boring office protocol. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite one that I've done so far, I think, is one of the missions is the players infiltrate a high-stakes poker tournament to bankrupt the villain's accountant. <laughs> and the, one of the office protocol is like, well, you've been officially approved to participate in the poker tournament, like as agents of the hero department. Uh, mm-hmm. All outside gambling has been banned, however. But if you do, please win big because it's been a rough fiscal year, and we could use the windfall. Uh, do you do you have ideas for what you're going to do for the other dossiers? Like, I want to do the most, you know, classical like 
spy movie. It's probably going to be a lot of, like, thinking about James Bond movies and, like, Mm -hmm. just which ones. There's definitely going to be one that involves, like, an agent has gone rogue and your mission is just bring him in before he leaks information. Because GoldenEye is, like, the the big, the the spy moviest of spy movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only one I can remember seeing. And also, that's also the plot of Mission (laughs) Impossible, now that I think about it. So yeah, hmm. it has turned rogue and you have to bring them in is um, is definitely going to be one. I know that like I'm pushing to make one of the stretch goals because I'm writing it for a different for another podcast to do a fantasy version, which will just be Ooh. an alternate version of the seven habits for but for a thieves guild and like a <laughs> fantasy dossier where you have to like steal from a dragon or something. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to make that a stretch goal. It might just also be a PDF that I shoot into the world at some point. I haven't decided yet. But that's, perfect. that's a thing that I want to do. I just really want to make like a bunch of very specific like spy movie tropes into these slightly yeah. ridiculous office scenarios. There's there's going to be a lot of good takes on this. I'm so excited. I can't. I, the thing I've been most excited about is just hearing it is hearing like play reports and hearing it on mm-hmm. podcasts that I'm not a part of. And just he, like seeing it in the world is the most exciting thing. Yeah. In the world. I'm so excited for you. Jeff. I'm really excited. Uh-oh. So where can we find you and your games online? Of course, uh, you can find me at Party of One Pod. You can find my games, my podcast, my everything at jeffstormer.com. Uh, you can also find Party of One at partyofonepodcast.com, all my fantasy children at allmyfantasychildren.com. <laughs> this is where, that's basically where you can find everything that I'm working on between those various websites. Nice. Okay, cool. And we'll link all that stuff. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Thank you for being on. This was so much fun. Huge thanks again to Jeff for being back on the show, and if you liked the sound of his game, I was fortunate enough to play it with him over on the Party of One feed. Links to that actual play episode and to the Kickstarter are in the show notes. I also want to add that I misattributed the fun fact anecdote that I ultimately left in, as it actually happened to our friend Chuck. Like, to him. To his face. That's messed up. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at ModifierPodcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at ModifierPodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit OneShotPodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at CatGreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>